0: Would you turn your Bible to Psalm 85, the 85th Psalm, just one verse of Scripture, verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Let me read that again, and then we'll all read it together. Psalm 85, 6. Wilt Thou not revive us again, that Thy people may rejoice in Thee? Let's read it together. Wilt Thou not revive us again, that Thy people may rejoice in Thee? Now, it's a very interesting verse. The psalmist speaks of revival a number of times. In Psalm 51, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners will be converted unto thee. Here he says, Lord, wilt thou not revive thy people? Revive means to come to life again or to come to vivaciousness again. Wilt thou not revive thy people? And the reason that... Thy people may rejoice in thee. It is not the will of God that we be defeated, discouraged, and live under the circumstances. God wants us to live on top of the circumstances, the overcomers. There are people in this auditorium this morning who have faced unbelievable problems, hurts, tragedies, and yet they've been able to pick up broken pieces and go on. That's what this scripture is talking about. Lord, wilt will thou not revive us again, cause us to live again. Now, in order for us to be revived, we have to have at one time been alive. The Bible speaks of death and trespasses and sins. Those who have never been saved are still dead in trespasses and sins. Only those who have been born again into the family of God can be revived. The rest need to be regenerated, saved, changed. And so, first of all, the psalmist is speaking to believers. He's talking to people who have at one time known the Lord... Whether you're living close to the Lord now or not is not the question. He's talking about those of us who have at one time known Christ. We've been saved. We've been born again. We're in the kingdom of God. And he says, Lord, wilt thou not revive us again? We sang that a while ago. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Do nations have revivals? Let me ask it another way. Do nations ever go to hell? In Psalm... Chapter 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Now for a nation to go to hell probably means for that nation to go down, down, down to destruction. And then to live in that condition, exist in that condition. Nations have done that. More than likely, he's speaking of the individuals in those nations. And the Bible has much to say about that. Do people really go to hell? Hell is an awful place. Jesus described it as a place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And he saw Abraham afar off and he cried, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in these flames. I want to submit to you today that hell is just as real as heaven. And if there is no hell, there's no heaven. Jesus warned us more about hell than he said about heaven. Do people we know, our neighbors and friends and family members, really face an eternity in a place the Bible calls hell? What place have revivals had in determining the destiny of nations and of people? I will talk about that in a few minutes. Let me ask you this. Of those of you who are saved, how many of you were saved during a revival meeting? Lift your hands. Just look all over this auditorium. I can't count them, but probably about a hundred, maybe more than that, saved during a revival meeting. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. In John 3.18, He that believeth not is condemned already. John 3.36, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Luke 16, 23, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Proverbs 14, 12, There is a way that seemeth right unto men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In 1789, France went through the hell on earth that we call the French Revolution. It was a terrible bloodbath. If you've read the story of the French Revolution, you'll know that the guillotine was operative. And everyone who came into disfavor with the rabble of Paris faced the guillotine. King Louis was guillotined. Maria Antoinette, the famous queen, was carried out to the guillotine and placed her neck, was beheaded by the guillotine. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people died in that manner during the awful French Revolution, the terrible bloodbath. And do you know that England faced the same thing right across the English Channel? Faced the same thing, very same thing. There was the rise and the seething of the people. And they wanted to overthrow the monarchy. And they wanted to get even with those who had hurt them. And then God called a man. His name was John. John Wesley. He was a preacher in the Church of England. And God said, John, I want you to preach revival. And I want you to tell the people how to repent and turn from their sins and turn back to God. God. And John Wesley began to do that in his church. After a while, the church couldn't take it. They wanted to get rid of him. The Church of England couldn't take it. They put him out of the buildings. He went out in the fields and preached. And across England, there there was attracted to the preaching of John Wesley thousands and thousands of people. And revival swept across England. And it is said in history books that John Wesley saved England from the terrible bloodbath that was the French Revolution across the Channel. That was the power of revival. <clears throat> In 1740, the American colonies faced the challenges and calls of a new era. The revolution was near. Immorality and atheistic thinking was rampant. People had forsaken the churches. They thought there was nothing in life for them in the church. They did not read the Bible. They were filled with sin. And then God said to a man named Jonathan, Jonathan, I have a plan for you. I want you to preach. And I want you to preach without fear or favor. And call the names of sin. And call the people to repentance. He was pastor of a church in New England. He began to preach. They said that he read his sermons. One of the great sermons he preached was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And as he read that sermon, the Holy Spirit's power came in authority, and people's hearts were smitten. Women screamed and fainted, and men called out in fear to repentance toward God. And revival began to sweep that church and then across New England and then across America and down here in Kentucky, down at the famous meeting house near Russellville, there came under the ministry of McCarrie's a great revival. It began to sweep the other way and revival met across this nation and spiritual fire began to flame. You know what the result of that was? The Declaration of Independence. And the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights and freedom to worship as we please. The greatest constitution a nation had ever had was framed out of the spiritual awakening called the Great Awakening. Revival. Revivals have made a difference in 1776 sparing this great nation from the graveyard of nations and providing spiritual principles upon which america was built we don't have time today to talk about savannah rola (coughs) and charles finney and whitfield and Brainerd and moody and tory and billy sunday and finley gibson and all the others who have preached the word of god and god has blessed (coughs) and there have been spiritual fire result who knows but even today the flaming preaching of Billy Graham across the world may be that ingredient that is holding back the floodgates of wickedness and sin yeah revivals make a difference a while ago I asked you to hold your hand perhaps a hundred people in this congregation were saved during a revival meeting According to Scripture, hell is real for nations and people who reject the only remedy God gives for sin. The only remedy is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses from all sin. According to the Bible, heaven is real. It is real for men who will repent of sin and turn by faith to Christ and put their faith in the Lord Jesus as personal Savior. And according to the Bible, hell is real for those who reject Christ, who say no to God's only remedy for sin the blood of Christ. Well, where do we read about revival? The little poem I called your attention to a moment ago on the sheet that we gave out. Let me read this. I have a priceless treasure that's very dear to me, rich blessings without measure it daily brings to me. My Bible is my treasure. It shows my Father's love. It tells me of my Savior. And my blessed home above. How can I hoard this treasure. This lamp of heavenly light. And spend my time in pleasure. When round about is night. To all who grope in blindness. Enslaved and bound in sin. I must show forth God's kindness. For Christ said bring them in. I know this priceless treasure is not just mine alone. For every last transgressor the Savior did atone i spread the gospel story till many hearts can say to God all praise and glory for Christ is mine today. That's the power of the word of God. It can change men's minds. It can change men's hearts. It can change men's direction. It can change men's thinking. The power of the word of God. And when we have a revival of love for the Bible and we begin to read it and we begin to pour over its pages and mark certain things and then say Lord how does this apply to me what do you want to say to me through this there will be revival and when revival comes there will be five demonstrations number one there will be repentance for sin that will be real in Isaiah chapter 59 Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. Repentance is a willingness to recognize our sin, our ignoring the Word of God, our living our lives just as if there weren't any church, There weren't any God. There weren't any Bible. And when we read the word of God and we're convicted of sin and we turn away from sin and we turn to the Lord, that's repentance. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what brings revival to the human heart. And friends, when you and I repent of our sins, it's a personal thing. Now, the nation can repent, and we need to have days of national repentance. The church can repent. We need to have days when the church is on its knees in prayer, but repentance really begins with the individual, you and me. I need to repent. You need to repent. To repent means to turn away from. The old preacher said, here's what repentance means a man was preaching on repentance and he said a lot of flowery things about it and when he got finished nobody really knew what it meant and an old preacher stood up and said well here's what repentance means I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell I'm going to hell stopped suddenly and turns around and he said I'm going to heaven I'm going to heaven repentance means turning around it means a change whereas once you were lost in sin you were on your way to hell you were on the broad way that leads to destruction, you stopped You see the cross of Christ and you know that Christ died on the cross for our sins and you're willing to turn away from sin and turn to Christ and you begin to walk toward Him. That's repentance. And when there's revival in our hearts, there's repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when a believer who is already saved repents, it means he's aware that he's left God out. That he's neglected the most important spiritual things. That somehow he's allowed the world to creep into his life and wrap its icicle fingers around our spiritual lives and choke us out so that we're more interested in the dance than we are in the church. We're more interested in booze than we are the blessings of God. We're more interested in the wickedness of the world than in the way of the cross. And we come to grips with that and are willing to turn away from it and say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to come into my heart. Repentance. Secondly, when there's real revival, there will be restitution. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 9, verse 19, verse 8? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And then Jesus came, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house to stay. It's a little song we used to sing. Well, when Zacchaeus went home, and Jesus went home with him, and the Bible says that apparently Jesus spent the night there, Zacchaeus was never the same again. The next day, Zacchaeus said, Lord... If I've withheld from people or if I've taken from people that which I, I should not have or they, I didn't deserve or I, I stole from them, I'm going to give it back many fold. That's restitution. There are some sins for which there is no restitution. I heard about a lady who came to the preacher and said, Preacher, I want to confess my sins and I want to ask God to forgive me and I want to make restitution for them. Well, he said, what's the chief sin? She said, I I gossip. I said some mean things and some untrue things about somebody. She said, how can I make restitution for that? He said, well, you go home and get you a feather pillow and take that feather pillow, cut the end off it off, go to the window and shake all the feathers out in the air. Let those feathers just blow around. And then when you finish doing that, you go out and pick up all those feathers and put them back in the pillow. Oh, she said, preacher, that's impossible. I could never find them all. He said, that's the way with your sin. When you gossip and you say unkind things and untrue things about somebody There's no restitution for that. Only thing you can do is ask God to forgive you. And when you see somebody you've sinned against, ask them to forgive you. Then trust that rest of it with God. Do You know there's some sins for which there is no restitution. You take the purity from another person, you can't give it back. You steal the reputation from somebody, you can't give it back. but there are some sins for which there is restitution. If I've stolen $10 from Scott, I can take the $10 back. If I owe Brother Jerry $100, I can say, Lord, Jerry, I don't have the $100, but I'll give you a dollar a week until I can pay it back. I can make restitution for some things. And where it's possible, repentance involves restitution. Revival revol- involves making things right. If I've sinned against my neighbor, my friend, I need to make it right. Sometimes we have the strange idea that revival can come and I can hang on to my sins if I just make a little remark down here at the church and I say, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and I go out and live the same old way. That's not revival. Revival comes when we're willing in our heart to turn away and turn back to God. That's revival. Sometimes cheating has occurred either on an examination or on a wife or a husband or in some other way. And many times there's no way to make restitution for that. You can just say, Lord, I'll never do it again. By the grace of God, I'm turning away from it. And the ones that I've hurt, I've asked them to forgive me. Now, on the other hand, Repentance also involves forgiveness. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses against him. And so revival involves a willingness to forgive, to say if somebody's hurt me, if somebody's done me wrong, I'm not going to hold that grudge in my heart the rest of my life. I'm going to get rid of that burden. I'm going to cast it at Jesus' feet. And I want to be forgiven just as I forgive others. We'd be in an awful fix if that were true. You know, God reads all of our hearts. He knows that in this very room today, there's some people that hold grudges against somebody else. They hurt you and you've never forgiven them. I want to ask you right now, while I'm preaching, if you would just in your heart, humble your heart, and say, Lord, with all my heart, I forgive that person who hurt me. I'm not gonna hold it against them anymore. Sometimes you say, well, I'll forgive, but I can't forget. You can forget the bitterness. You may not be able to forget the fact, but you can forget the bitterness. All of this thing about child abuse today, When people remember after 10 or 15 or 25 or 50 years and they look back and say, oh, my daddy was ugly to me. He abused me. And you go and sue him in court and put him in prison. What good does that do? Now, I know the human resources department won't like what I'm saying, but I want to ask you, what good does that do? The best thing you can do is forgive. That's the greatest thing you can do. And that's the only thing that will relieve the awful burden you have forgive just as you want God to forgive you that's involved in repentance and revival thirdly reality and faith will be contagious in Matthew 5:16 Jesus said let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven When you and I change and repent and turn back to God and have a personal revival, there's going to be a light come on. There's going to be a holy glow about our lives. Now, it may not look like a halo, but we'll be changed, we'll be different. Have you ever seen somebody that got changed? They look different. They smile different. There's a new air of excitement in their lives. You say, well, does that mean they never did sin? No, no, no. But they've put that sin over on Jesus. They've asked Him to forgive them. And they've been cleansed from it. A reality of faith so that our lives take on a new demeanor, a new freshness, a new crispness. Fourthly, when real revival comes, there's a regard for the lost. We care about those on the outside, it cares. We care. There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the fields away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains. And Jesus said, What man of you, having ninety-nine sheep, one of them's lost, you have a hundred sheep, ninety-nine are there, but there's one lost, what man of you would not go out and try to find that one? He gave that commission to the church. He said, There are people out there that have slipped through our fingers. They're unsaved. They're lost. They're without hope. And they're looking around to wonder if anybody cares. Brother Lloyd told us a while ago no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Jesus cares. In Sunday school this morning, we sang, Does Jesus Care? I say to you, He cares. Jesus cares. And when we get a good spiritual dose of Jesus Christ in our lives, we're going to care. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, He looked on those all around. He said, He wept and He said they were like sheep without a shepherd. He said, The fields are white unto harvest. Laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into the harvest. Do you, do you have anybody in your heart... Did you put a name on this sheet this morning? Is there anybody, a mother, a daddy, a son, or a daughter, or a brother, or a sister, or a friend, or a neighbor, or a postman, or a paper boy, or somebody you work with, somebody you care about, and you'd like to see them saved? How much do we care? When there's real revival, we're going to care. We'll care about others. And then last of all, there's going to be regeneration. The lost will be saved. David said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners will be converted unto thee. When you and I get serious about the things of God, we're going to get serious about those on the outside. And you know what will happen? Those on the outside will notice it. And it won't be as hard to win them to the Lord because we're going to show love and care and concern. Some time ago, some years ago, a family in our community went through a terrible loss, a serious tragedy. And our people sort of moved in on that family and loved them, cared for them took them some food, just went by and stood with them in the time of sorrow. A little while after that, I went to the home to talk to them about Jesus. And you know, it wasn't hard to lead them to Jesus. Their hearts were tender. They were open. They had seen love demonstrated. And when you and I demonstrate the love of God through our lives, the lost world will notice it. Oh, send revival. Send a spirit of revival right in our hearts right now. May we pray together. With every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I have a savior, he's pleading in glory, a dear loving savior, though earth's friends be few, for you I am praying. If you have somebody on your heart for whom you're praying, you really care, you want to see them come to Christ, I want to ask you, not only to have that name written on that piece of paper But if God will give you the grace to do it, I'm gonna be standing down here at the front in a moment. I'll ask you to come and just share that name with me. Place that name here on the open Bible as a prayer request. You'll remember the name because you wrote it down. If you have somebody that you really care for who is lost You ask God to give you the grace to do it. Now friend, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never come to Christ, why not now? Why not today? Our Father, we pray that somebody without Jesus will come to Jesus. That Thou would send a spirit of revival and awakening into our church. And everyone who listens by radio, may there be an awakening, a spiritual awakening in this nation, in our city, and in every home where this radio message goes out. And in every life affected by this message today. In Jesus' name, Amen. We stand, please.